Um, yes, welcome. So we're looking at we're looking at church for the next few weeks. Um, what are we What are we doing here? Why Why are you guys here today? What What do we think we're doing? And so I guess um, we're going to look at it from a whole bunch of different angles. And the angle this morning we're going to look at is what did the first Christians think they were doing? The early Christians when they called their gatherings church, what did they think that meant? What, why did they use that word? Obviously, they didn't use their English word church. So what, what, what do they call themselves? So that's, that's kind of where we're, where we're going with this. If you were to go out into Eltham and just like chuck a rock at someone at random and ask them to draw a picture of the church, right, whoever you hit, and you go, that, that almost certainly draw you a picture, something like this, right? A church, yeah, a church. What, what is a church? Um, in our popular conscience, when we um, think about what the church is, this is what we kind of think about, right? We think about a, some sort of building with a pointy roof and crosses and, and stuff on it. Um, that's what most of us think about when we use the word church. And it was so funny, Kate, this morning when you said, you know, most people, you know, it's, it's like a, the word just instills this sense of, oh, boring. And that was certainly my experience of um, church in many ways growing up as this kind of quite boring experience. And maybe some of our young people have that same experience, which is concerning. Um, <laughs> especially that I'm the youth pastor, it's kind of my fault. <laughs> But um, if, if you were to take a, if you were to find, pick a random person in the first century in the Greco-Roman world hanging around in the sorts of areas that, um, you know, Christians later would occupy, if you, the, 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 there's a Greek word that is used in that time, which we now translate church into English, the word was ecclesia. If you were to ask them to draw a picture of, an, what's an ecclesia, what's a church, that you would get a picture of something like this, the, clothing would be very different but they would they would draw a picture of a gathering of people that's what the word ecclesia means right we a lot of us know that um so you know this is base level if you're going to forget everything else the you know the big idea which we're going way beyond is this obvious idea that church is not a building right church is a group of people gathering together so when the first christians um, searched for a word to describe their gatherings, their, their coming together each week or, or sometimes every day um, before dawn, they used this work, word ecclesia to describe their gatherings. And so I want to just briefly look at some of the different ways we can understand um, this word. So hopefully you can see the screen. So we're, so we're talking about before Christians even existed or in the time when Christians just started to sort of grow up, there's this word ecclesia, this is the word they grabbed. What does that word mean? What did that word mean? Um, so we're going to look at three different kind of um, stools to this idea. The first one is just this very basic, that's probably a bit too low for a lot of you to read, but it says a casual gathering. Right? So this word gathering, so the word ecclesia, just in a, in a broad, um, non-technical sense, can just mean a gathering or a, an assembly of people. You, it can be, you know, a couple of people coming over to your house. for Literally, the same way we would use the word gathering or assembly, informal, formal, whatever, that, that's, that's what the word church meant. Okay, it, just meant, it can just mean gathering. All right, and some of the Old Testament sort of uses of the word um, we're going to have a look at. Um, first one, we might as well turn to Deuteronomy. There's, there's a fair few uses in the Old Testament. Um, so the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, right? And, and in about the first century before Jesus, a century before Jesus came onto the scene, um, there was this library in Alexandria which boasted uh, um, of having every book on the planet, a copy of every book on the planet, or wanted to have a, a book of every, 
a copy of every book on the planet. So they, they wanted to translate the Old Testament, the, you know, the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. So that's what they did. So they, there's this massive translation project um, and they translated all of the, um, what we call our Old Testament into Greek so that everyone could kind of read it in the common language. And so when we look at, when we look at that, it's a good way of um, seeing how the and, and New Testament words are kind of used in the Old Testament. So the word ecclesia comes up in all sorts of different places um, in our Greek translation of the Old Testament. And one of them here um, is Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 10. Right? And so um, I'll, just have you, I'll just have a quick read of this for you. Deuteronomy 9. Um, when I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord had made with you, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Um, that is not the right verse. Oh, yeah, it's the next one, 10. The Lord gave me two tone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. On them were all the commandments the Lord proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire on the day of the assembly, right? So the word there, assembly, is our Greek word, ecclesia, right? So this, is, this just seems like nothing, but this is kind of significant when we want to try and understand what church is. The, the word church is there in this assembly. So when all of Israel gathered together, assembled together to hear the word of God, to hear, in, you know, that one was the, you know, the reading of the Ten Commandments, and it's in all sorts of other places. When Israel gathered together to listen to the word of God through the prophets, through Moses, through whoever, they used this word ecclesia to describe what's happening, this, this gathering to hear, the, to hear the... It's this kind of formal gathering. Um, now, we want to ask the question, you know, the, I guess the word we would often sort of pin to this, if we want to put it into a category, is this, we use the word religion, right? Religious, a religious gathering. But remember, what are they reading there? What are they reading? Yell it out. The Ten Commandments, which is their law, right? So if we, because if, we, we want to put things often in a category of, is this religious or is this political or, or whatever? The Ten Commandments is their law. We've got to remember that. There is, in, there is no separation between religion and politics, in the ancient world, the, 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 they're just the, the same thing. Um, you can't draw this, this distinction. So it's, it's this religious and this political, they're, they're literally reading their law, right? In the same way that we might read you know, the Australian Constitution, we think that's a political activity, which it is, right? Or we read you know, a religious text. Uh, we, we separate these things out. But in, the first, in this world, religion and politics, are the, they're, they're completely intertwined. They're one and the same. Their political leaders are their religious leaders and vice versa. Um, so that's, it's this religious political gathering of, of people in that, in that Old Testament sense to hear the word, um, the word of God being read. Right, so now if we, this is the third one, the third of the three, we transfer to the Greek or the Roman first century setting. For me, this is really interesting. For some of you guys, maybe this is like super boring and I apologise. But um, so... The word ecclesia is this, is this gathering. It's, I've written there, an assembly, of, this sounds really boring and a mouthful, this assembly of a regularly summoned legislative body. Think that, that's confusing, but think about a town meeting. Imagine a town meeting, right, where everyone in, say, Corinth comes together for a, for a town meeting. Don't think about Christians, don't think about Christianity, just think about a town meeting coming together. Um, they're they're going to hear some stuff which has happened 
um, something's happened over there, we, they're going to come together and they're going to try and work out how to, how to respond to it. So an example that, that we'll look at here is in Acts 19. So we're looking for this word church. What does this word church mean? Because we want to understand what the heck are we doing here? Or at least when the first Christians um, used a word to describe their gatherings, how did they understand that? What, did they, what were they actually talking about? What did they think they were doing? Um, so check out Acts chapter 19. There's heaps of uses of the word ecclesia in, in the um, New, New Testament, obviously. Everywhere you see the word church, but then also other places where there's different words that are used. And this Acts 19 gives us a bit of a window into that first century world. Um, Acts chapter 19 and um, <clears throat> verse 39. So this, this story is basically Paul has gone into... All, all sorts of different regions. Paul, one of the early Christians, is an apostle. He's going, he's, he's preaching the gospel to all sorts of different places. And one of the places he goes is Ephesus. And he kind of goes around saying that, yeah, all those, you know, those idols you're building, like those little stone things that you kind of take into your house and you pray to, then they're, they're nothing. They're like non-gods. You shouldn't do that. There's, there's one God who's created the whole universe, right? And he's actually come to earth to sh reveal himself to us. And this, this is the person of Jesus. You guys killed, well, he got killed, but then he rose again. This is the message that Paul brought to Ephesus and lots of other places. And in Ephesus, it caused a riot. They weren't happy um, about this. So there's this big story about um, the silversmith who's making these idols, saying, this guy's saying that these guys are nothing, it's going to wreck our business. But not only that, what about the great god Artemis of the Ephesians? She is going to be disgraced, and this whole city of, of, around which she's based... Um, is going to be, you know, t ruined. Um, and so there's, the, there's this massive... Um, so verse t let's pick it up from verse 28. When they heard this, they were furious and began... Uh, uh, let, let's go from verse 27. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, this is the silversmith talking, but also the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess, goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, we robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's travelling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theatre together. There's this big theatre. All of them rushed into the theatre together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples had not let him. Even some of the officials of the province... Friends of Paul sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theatre. You can imagine Paul is like up for it. Come on, I want to address this crowd. And they're like, dude, come on, you're going to get killed. Please do not go in there. You can just, you know, I can just imagine the, the thing going on here. Paul, what, what are you, no, don't, do not go in there. The assembly was in confusion. So this is verse 32, where I said assembly was in confusion. This is the, this is the Greek word. Ecclesia, but it becomes a bit more interesting as we read on. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. What the heck are we doing here? That, that kind of sounds weird, but if we understand this, um, ecclesias were things that were regularly assembled. So they would have been in this theatre many times before for a formal gathering, for a, for a formal church service where a herald would gather them all together and say, there's some important news we need to tell you, and they'd tell them that, that news in, in that theatre there. So they would have been there before like that, but this is just a kind of an info, a, 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 a sudden kind of, it hasn't been organised, they just all rushed in there. 
Um, the Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions. He motioned for silence in order to make a defence before the people. But when they realised he was a Jew, they shouted in unison for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great. Imagine that for two hours, just like chanting that. And what are, the, what are the other guys doing on the side, just kind of waiting to, how long is this, how long are they going to keep this up? The heck? Is it like, not, an hour's gone by, they're still shouting, great is Artemis. And so they, they waited out. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, fellow Ephesians, doesn't the whole world know the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Everyone knows that. Just, you're born knowing it. Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. Verse 39, this is the key verse which we wanted to get to. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in, I don't know what your translation, yell out what, Caleb, what's your translation got there? Legal assembly, mine's got legal assembly. Others will have something similar, something different. Right, if you want to bring it up there, it can be settled in a legal assembly. This is our word ecclesia. This is the word that the first Christians reached for when they wanted to describe what it is that they're doing when they're gathering together. It's a legal assembly. It's a, it's a, it's a regularly convened meeting for the purpose of civic business. What are, what are we going to do? Um, that, so that you've got your courts, but you've also got this legal assembly, which when we want to sort stuff out, we gather together and we sort it out together. There's a way to do this and this is what we do. This, so this is a really long way of saying um, ecclesia, a church, was something that everyone already knew about. They already had churches, you know, to use our language. They already had ecclesias. They were these town meetings that everyone would come to every so often to to deal with town business. So when the Christians reached for a word, this is, this is the one they grabbed to describe their gatherings, their town meetings. Um, uh, uh, it's a, think of it a little bit like a, not a rival town meeting, but another town meeting of a, a completely different kingdom, which is growing up in the midst of the other one. Um, yeah, so, and, and, and the thing goes on. So I want you to imagine a world where there's already, this, there's already this category for a town meeting and ecclesia that exists and then the Christians now start to imagine themselves having new ones of, of these um, sorts of things. So I want to focus, so we asked the question, is it political, was that political? Yes, obviously it was a, this, the ecclesias were political, but they also, as you can tell, chanting for two hours, great as Artemis of the Ephesians, it's a religious thing as well. These are religio-political events, um, gatherings, which, which are happening. So that's kind of, you know, if you're bored, well, maybe, that, maybe they were kind of boring in, in some ways. Maybe part of what they did was a bit boring. Um, but we're going to, so we just want to focus in on this and I just want to um, just help maybe bring this text to life a little bit. Um, and we're going to use, I want you to imagine yourself in Corinth, right? So you, you are in Corinth, you're in one of these Ecclesias, you're in one of these churches, not a Christian thing, just a, 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 civic, a civic gathering. Um, so you're in Corinth, you're in this town in the first century. One of the things that you would hear when you go to church, when you go to the Ecclesia, is a gospel. A gospel being um, proclaimed. What is now, 
talked about this lots of times. If, what's, a, what's a word for gospel? What's another way of saying gospel? What is gospel? What is Good news, right? So in the first century, it was a gospel was a, a good news proclamation. There's some good news. So, gather, so the herald goes out, right, we're calling a t- town meeting, everyone in the theatre, we're going to gather together, I've got some good news to share. So they gather together to hear the good news and, and make some decisions based on it. Right, so it's a ro- there's, there's this, all, this other sense, it's a royal proclamation, it's, it's royal business, it's, it's, it's official business that's going on. So one of the things they'll hear is that Caesar is Lord. That's the, that's the royal proclamation. Caesar is Lord. They'll hear that in the ecclesia, in their churches, There's their civic gatherings, their town meetings. They'll hear Caesar being referred to as their father, our father Caesar, the great father, right? Because the, the empire was, was, was organised as basically a, um, a fa- like a big family. They used the, the metaphor of family, right? And, and Caesar was at, at the, the head of the family. All right, now we talk about their king who has gone away to a distant land. He's defeated, you know, someone way over there, you know, in Spain or, or whatever. They've defeated, defeated this decisive battle. And now our king has extended the peace of Rome even as far as Spain. And they'd, they'd all celebrate them. They would offer prayers. They would burn incense. They'd do it. This, this is what the ecclesia was like um, in the first century. The peace of Rome has been extended even to Spain or even to, you know, Ethiopia or um, wherever their, their latest victory was. They'll talk about Caesar as their generous, gracious p- benefactor. And I want us to now use all of these kind of phrases. You can probably imagine where I'm going with this. Um, grab 1 Corinthians 2 to hopefully we start to think about um, what is going on here in, in, a, in a new way. So 1 Corinthians 2. Um, these are... The, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, sorry, and verses 2 and the first couple of verses. These are the verses that you just kind of skip over when you're reading um, the Bible usually is, is a read-through thinking that they kind of don't really, not really that important. Paul, called an apostle of Christ Jesus to the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth. Notice he, notice he says church of God. For us, we just kind of gloss over that as if it's nothing, right? But there, there is already a church in Corinth. There's already church gatherings in Corinth. They're, they're these civic town meetings. So when Paul is saying the church of God, he's saying, no, no, not, not that church. The church, you know, where we, where we gather as people of God. The people of God church. It's a different church to the church you guys already know about. That's, that's kind of what's going on here. That's why he says the church... Um, of God, so um, got that. But we can we can say all sorts of things about this, uh, and then we keep going um, to the church of God in Corinth, those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so we can start to fill in all sorts of gaps here. We can, we can um, see, rather than Caesar being proclaimed as Lord, we have here at the very beginning, Jesus, they say Jesus is Lord. This is a, this is a highly political, religious statement which is liable and does get them into a lot of trouble. That's why there's riots and all sorts of other things all over the place. So Jesus, not Caesar, is Lord. Who's the Father? They refer to a father, but it's no longer Caesar being sort of remembered as their father. They talk about God 
as their father. Right? God is the, the, the family motif now get, gets transferred to God. He's the father. Um, king, who's the king? king is, the king now is for, in the church of God, the king is Jesus. And, and, and we could can, we can think into, you know, what has our king defeated? And in Corinthians, if we go on, the whole book of Corinthians, the letter, um, comes to this climax in chapter 15, right, where the thing that this king has defeated is death itself. Let me just quickly um, read that. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 15, towards the end, 54, towards the end of that. Death has been swallowed up by victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, not Lord Caesar, Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. So Paul is saying to this church gathered, you got to, we're, we've got this victory and now there's stuff that we need to do because this is a town meeting, right? not a town meeting, but this is an ecclesia of God. There's stuff we need to do um, as a result of all that. Um, and so we can say all the things. Yeah, the peace of Rome, not the peace of Rome which is being extended, the Pax Romana if you've done study on all that sort of stuff. It's the peace of God which is being extended. Um, and... Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. There we go. Um, so it's not Caesar, our, our gracious benefactor. It's, it's, it's Jesus, etc. Okay. So just to kind of finish this off, what are we, what are we actually saying here? Um, what is, so what is the church? Right. I've got a, a massive mouthful um, for you and then a simplified version of it. Right. So um, if we just think about this kind of aspect of what the, why are we here, this is, we want to end on why are we here, why were they there? What did they think they were doing? Those first Christians, what did they think they were doing when they were calling themselves an ecclesia or a gathering? It's a religio-political gathering. We need, to put together, we need to get rid of these separate categories of religion and politics and we need to remember that they're one in the first century. A religio-political gathering of subjects, not of Caesar, but of subjects of King Jesus. It's a gathering of the subjects of King Jesus for the advancement of God's kingdom on earth. Not, what are we going to do so that when we die, one day we'll go to heaven. What are we going to do in the here and now to continue to advance God's kingdom, which has already come? It's come in Jesus. It's arrived. That's what Jesus', that's what Jesus message was. The kingdom of God is here. It's arrived. And so the ecclesia is then followed, followed on from him. Okay, the kingdom of God has come. How do we extend it into this world? That's what they were there. That's what they were about. Um, so you're not going to remember that. I'm not going to remember that. Um, so a simpler, a simpler way, of, it's a kingdom of God gathering. It's a gathering of the kingdom of God. So you can tack all those other ideas onto that. So the first Christians under the, understood themselves as gathering um, at to, to organise the business of doing kingdom life in the world. That's, that's, what they, that's what they did. And in the same way, worshipping this God was a key part of their gatherings. Right? They would sing hymns to Jesus as to a God. There's a first century um, historian, Pliny, who interestingly records that. These Christians, they gathered together before dark and they sang hymns to this guy, Christus, as if to a God. Um, 
that, that that's part of what part of what they did. But uh, uh, and and beyond that, they you know they had their they had their meal, their common meal, the what we call the the Lord's Supper or communion. They did that sort of stuff. Um, but they they gathered together to discuss and organise kingdom business. They even did stuff like um, organise food handouts for the widows, a daily distribution of food for the widows. Why were they doing that? Rome did that as well. Rome had daily food distributions for their citizens. And when the church came together, they saw themselves as doing the same sort of thing, but this time for widows and other people that Rome couldn't care less about. They were this new kingdom which was growing up in the midst of the old kingdom. They were an alternative way of being and, and living and being human in the world. That's what, that's what they're all about. That's what we're all about. So as we start to think about, so, you know, why are we here then? Um, we're, we're, th this, this is why we're here. As we, I want you guys to carry this forward and start to think about, so who are we as a church? What are we meant to be doing? It's good that we come to sing. That's, that's a key part of worshipping God, that's what we should do as part of the church. We're, we're here, to, we're meant to pray. But not only that, we're also meant to organise. What, so what are we going to do throughout the week when we're, not, when we're not gathered? We're still the people of God when we're not gathered. So what are we going to do? You know, we're the kingdom now when we're gathered and then we continue to build the kingdom throughout the, the times when we're not gathered. It's this organisational, you know, think of it's like a rotary meeting. This is what the churches would have been they would have seen themselves like that. They gather together for a meal. They organise. This is the business we're involved in. These are the these are the projects we're doing in different places. Let's pull our money and let's do it. This this is a good model. Um, they're building and being the kingdom of God. There's all sorts of other things we, we'd like to explore. They're not about defending borders. Um, wow, the church has really struggled with that. As soon as the church picked up a sword to defend its borders, you know, from the third century onwards, it, it, it lost its way. It, it, it ceased to understand what the, the Sermon on the Mount is actually all about. We're not about defending borders. There's this massive question of how do we use power? And the answer is, lies in how did Jesus use power? Jesus was prepared to, to die at the hands of his enemies because he knew that death wasn't the last thing. How do we use power? The church can and does flourish in any political system. That's not to say it is political or it's not political. The church, yeah, it has this interesting relationship with politics. But we can at least say it can flourish in any political system. But we want to ask ourselves, how, how are we bringing God's reign and God's rule? That, that's, that's where we'll finish. Right, so when we think about things like you know, the, the garden at St. Vincent's that, that was going on, you know, a couple of years ago before COVID and now, you know, how are we going to move forward with that? So what do we, what do we want to do about that as a church? What, how, do we, how do we want to be involved? You know, the, the stuff that's going on in, in Weir Street um, with the craft group and the Little Angel, all these, what do we want to do? What do we want to do together as a group? How do we want to be the kingdom of God in this world? Do we want to get involved in your schools? Do we want to do stuff, try and do stuff at, at, at local schools? It doesn't need to be an organised thing. It could be an unorganised. What, what we, so we've got to ask the question, what do we want to do? Who do we want to be in Eltham, in Monty, in the surrounding area? What, how do we want to impact Myanmar? Do we, have a, do we have anything 
to offer. Let's continue to be and, and to build the kingdom of God. This is what the church has always done since the first century and it's what we need to continue to be. So, um, yeah, so I hope you guys can grab hold of this. That, that's what the first, cent- the first Christians sort of understood their church gatherings to be. And so let's continue to um, modify where necessary our church gathering um, to be um, in line with that you know, original vision. And there'll, there'll be things that we need to change as we think more and more about that. There's lots, lots more to say, but let me pray. <clears throat> God, thank you for a chance together, together as your church today. Lord, thank you for all the things that you have done for us to bring your kingdom. Thank you that you've defeated death and the power of sin. Lord, thank you that our, our future hope is in a resurrected and a renewed heaven and earth. So Lord, we pray that um, you would help us just to continue to know how to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thanks, guys. It's time for uh, morning tea.